In this week's episode of Student Inter, we'll be reviewing the matches against Spal and Roma. We'll be previewing the upcoming matches against Fiorentina and Genoa. We'll be giving a review and rating on this, the signings this season so far and how they fared. This week's Moji, Frog and Moratti and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on centralinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nimatorale Ruzzari, welcoming you to a... This, well, I'm, 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 we're all, I'm doing all right, but I'm a little bit disappointed, and I feel that most Interisti are. But before we get into all the reasons behind that, um, and uh, there are plenty of them to talk about on this date, um, let's. I want to introduce the my panelists, uh, the excellent panelists. We have the sempreinter.com preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nasa. Yep, Mystic Mo's back. What's up, guys? <laughs> For sure, you were right. You did say seven points on those three games, and we did get seven points, and we are in no, second no. place. And I did predict a two-two with Lukaku yes. scoring and yeah, Sanchez. Sanchez uh, yeah, assisted instead of scoring, but yeah, you did. That's very true. It's Mystic Mo in so, the house. The often incorrect seer is back. <laughs> Brilliant. And we are also joined by our good friend, uh, Mr. Will Beckman, a former media pe- person, London media personality, former Moji Moratti of the week, Mr. Will Beckman. Don't want to brag, but I do have my own correct 2-2 prediction story to share if, if they're not going to become boring. Um, no, they're not. There's they're written not. proof that I did. Uh, but we'll, maybe we'll get into that later. So, you know, yeah. I don't want to steal Mo's moment. But <laughs> but, but, but I said 2-2 and so did Fulvio as well. So, that's, that's you true. know. That's true. That's true. Uh, and we're also joined by the new newest studio host for Inter Miami CF, our very good friend, Mr. Alex Dono. Hey, guys. And I also want to steal both Mo and Will's moments because <laughs> I... I too predicted two two, and there is there is audio record of it. So really, I, I think, no, I think if, yeah, I, I think if nothing else, I think we all know this team so well they become yeah. so predictable. Yeah. <laughs> they really have. Yeah. I mean, it really was predictable. I mean, yeah. there was no way Inter were going to win against Roma. I think we all kind of knew that. But I didn't think we'd lose. That's so. I you know I wasn't. I don't need to think that I was super pessimistic. But no, no, no. Yeah. I, I think I think a draw was pretty much what we all expected. Yeah. Uh, Given how everything was, but let's 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 start uh, let's start uh, on that um, because uh, I mean we're already on it, so let's get into it. Um, I personally I didn't think Inter played that well. I thought Roma were better. Uh, I think maybe that based on how the game looked, Roma might have even deserved and felt hard done by to not have won the game. Um, but before we get into that, I I I just cannot get past this the, the refereeing yesterday. I, I have not seen anything that horrible in a very, very long time. Every, I mean, it's not just one, one, one thing for, that was against Inter, although the majority of his calls were, were inexplicably uh, anti-Inter, if you want to put it that way. Uh, but, I mean, just starting with, I mean, his ratings today from Rome-based newspaper Corriere dello Sport was three and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> that, that's what you give to someone for turning up on time and knowing their own name. Like that's that's the lowest rating I've seen 
in a very long time, if not ever for a referee. And I mean, if we're going to go through the situations, I mean, there are two handball situations, one which is inside the penalty area on, on Ericsson's cross. The elbow from Gianluca Mancini in Lautaro's face, which is reviewable by VAR, but wasn't. And he should have been, he should have been sent off. Then you have the Diavara wiping his studs on Gagliardini's face, which at least should be a yellow card because it's dangerous play. Um, and then, and then you have the VAR situation, which is, I, I don't understand this notion that a lot of people talk about that the foul, you know, that, that Kolarov didn't foul him enough. And it, the contact was there, but it wasn't enough. Doesn't matter. He impedes, you know, he, he kicks him in the foot where he's supposed to take the ball. We're supposed to receive the ball. That's 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 destructive play right there, right? I mean, what a, and and how can you have a VAR? I mean, this is the Rosario Abiso Invitational. You get the VAR to show you what actually happened, <laughs> and, and you still screw it up. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, seriously, what what's going on here, man? Like, Mo, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, look, uh, I. I the, the other stuff I think uh, is, um, I mean, the, the, the handball on Ericsson's cross was, if if we're going to be giving handballs to uh, to uh, Juventus against uh, Muriel, uh, then that that handball needs to have been called as a called as a penalty. Uh, but honestly, the the, the Lautaro color of uh, call baffles me completely. I, I just I don't get it. I don't get it because, uh, like Conte said yesterday, there there was. There, there's no, there's no controversy. The 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 foul is there, clear as day. You know, it's it's uh, it is a foul. It was uh, right in the same run of play that the goal uh, got scored, uh, that we conceded the goal in. So and, and VAR reviewed it, and you know you could see the screen that Dibello was looking at, and the yeah. screen clearly froze at the frame where contact was made. Because in, in initially I thought. Uh, Lautaro had gone down because of a, a shove in the back, and when when VAR replayed it, I didn't see a shove in the back, so I thought maybe Lautaro did, did dive. But then you look That's what I thought earlier, well. yeah, and and, and there is clear he clearly clips clips his uh, left, back left heel, and and Lautaro is unbalanced, and you know he he falls over instead of just tripping over because he's trying to get the attention of the referee. But it's a clear it's a clear foul from behind. There's there's no two ways about it. There's no was there enough contact? Did Lautaro fall too hard? There was contact. It, it prevented Lautaro from receiving the ball. Uh, the contact was illegal. It was from behind. That's it. It's a foul. It's, I, it's, I, I, don't, I, I don't see where this. Why we're discussing this? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why is there? Why, why is there? Why is there even a conversation about this? It's not like Ericsson's uh, cross and handball. Did he make his body unnaturally larger? It was the elbow yeah. taken uh, out or not? I mean, this, these, these ones you can go on and on and the rule of law and whether the law is unfair and whether they're reviewing the law. But the Kolarov-Lautaro incident, zero confusion, zero ambiguity, you know? So uh, it's, it's not the reason why, I mean, you know, we're not looking for like a, like a scapegoat for the match no, or whatever. No. Uh, and and, and uh, unsurprisingly, my opinion of the match is definitely far rosier than yours. Uh, <laughs> the, the <rest> the match. <laughs> wow. You know, wow. Yeah, no, I, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> but having said that, uh, I, I also think that, you know, this isn't the reason why, why, why we, we drop points there. Uh, maybe, maybe if we hadn't conceded the goal, Right then, um, things would have been very different in the second half. 
you know it's it's always uh it's always extremely dif- difficult to to go down with absolutely no uh no chance to recover before the you know the 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 halftime whistle or before the 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 full time whistle in this case it was the halftime but i mean it's always difficult to to gather your thoughts it was a great it's a great time to uh to uh equalize for the equalizing team so i don't know but uh, no very 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 bizarre refereeing for sure um uh, and 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 i the the thing that got me the most is i mean the reason why i talk about rosario abiso maybe a lot of listeners and don't remember but that was the referee when Inter played Fiorentina away, and the VAR, the video showed that the ball hit D'Ambrosio's body and not his arm, and still Rosario Abiso, after looking at the video, gave a penalty. I mean, so this is what doesn't get me. How can you, you know, this is what gets me. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy, but I don't understand how you can look at video and get it wrong. That, it, it is beyond me. I don't get that, because that's not incompetence. That's that's a mental disorder, then. It's either that... I'm not saying there's a conspiracy, but there kind of is. I mean, that's that's no, but seriously, that's how I feel as well. No, but seriously, that's how I feel it as well a little bit because, I mean, I don't want to think that it's, there's a conspiracy, but when you look at the video, like with Abiso, that situation and yesterday, and you still get it wrong, well, either you're there, there's a mental deficiency issue, or you, there's malfede, as the Italians say. There's 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 something not right here, and. Because that, that's, that can't be incompetence, because it's like you're not bullying your lying eyes kind of thing. Like, what? Just look at the video. That's all you have to do. And, and uh, I, I don't know. This, this really frustrated me a lot, because, again, as I started say, by saying, I think Roma were better, and I think maybe they even deserve to win and, and should feel, and maybe should, they have every right to feel hard done by, by not winning. But, but to me, these calls are like, they're, they're, they're there. I, I, I don't get it. Alex, help me get it. Help me get it, Alex. <laughs> well, I, I am so conditioned, and the Abiso from last year is a big part of it, but I, I am so conditioned now to the idea that I was fully expecting the goal not to be overturned, even when they went to VAR. And and that's that's not my problem. That's their problem. Like, they have this technology, but I, I just had this feeling that DiBello was not going to go through the trouble to say that, well, you know, should I overturn this because the goal happened several seconds later? And, you know, there, there was contact, but it wasn't the most egregious foul in the world. Like, I, it's something about the, these referees, I don't know if it's arrogance, stupidity, or... Just they're they're afraid to make a big decision like that because maybe he's worried about the backlash from removing a goal. I I don't know. I can't speak for him. I'm you know I, I don't know. You know I, I'm not going to be a full conspiracy theorist and assume some court sort of corruption. Uh, I think the issue is much closer to incompetence than that. But uh, even though it, it's clear as day when you watch the replay, it's clear as day that it was a foul and that Roma's goal should have never happened, and yet not for a second. When he's reviewing that tape, did I expect him to overturn the goal? And you know, I I, I made the little joke on Twitter that uh, you know about Lataro, you know, thinking he's already in Barcelona if he expects to get that call. You know, I th- that that was more just any excuse to make the Lataro Barcelona joke. Like upon watching the replay, I, I fully realized that the call was missed, and I had no faith, no faith that Debello was going to make it right upon review. That that that's amazing, and I want to correct the the, the Corriere dello Sport gave him four and a half, which is also not that's too not, high. 
<laughs> exactly, it's still too high. Not three and a half. He gave him four and a half, um, and that's a Rome-based newspaper. And 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 it's like uh, to me, it's I don't understand how they can let these. You know, this guy should never officiate again. I mean, it's it's that's how I look at it. If you if you can't get these this basic stuff right, then then clearly you you shouldn't have the job you you have because as Alex said, I mean, I don't want to think that there's corruption involved, and I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist. But this kind of, you know, when you have, you know, when you have these kind of situations that are, they're not wrong. They're so inexplicably wrong that just being wrong would be levels up from where we are. And and that that just doesn't, it, you know, it just, it's mind boggling. I don't get it. I really don't get it. And it's, it frustrates me. It really, really does. And, and I'm sure it frustrates you as well, Will. Well, his whole performance was rather difficult to decipher. I mean, I, I heard on the Friday or the Saturday, whenever these designations came out, that even sort of ex-referees who comment in the media were surprised by the decision to appoint Di Bello for this game because he's not an experienced ref. He's one of the younger ones that, um, that Rizzoli is maybe sort of trying to promote for the following season. But, you know, this, is, this was still a very important match. You know, to, 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 to use this as sort of a training ground for future seasons would seemed a little bit strange i don't know if he he had he made this decision when it looked like inter were actually out of the scudetto race but um his his last match was at the olympico was the lazio sassuolo game which also had a lot of arguments with a, a goal that was disallowed and caused a lot of controversy so it was a strange appointment in the first place and then throughout the match you know even if you go above the the the, the, the individual decisions you know his he was very inconsistent with the way he was doing things at the start he let everything go then at the start then at the start of the second half he was whistling everything and then he let everything go again. And then at the end, he was whistling again. He didn't seem to know what he wanted to do to control the sort of the, um, the temperature of the game, which is probably one of the most important jobs the ref has, apart from getting the big decisions right, which goes without saying. Um, so it just did all round strange performance and not a happy decision to put him on that match. Um, I can't really add anything to what you've said in terms of the individual instance because they speak for themselves. Mm. I mean, my my favorite <laughs> my favorite part is uh, I I think it's um, I think it was Sky Sport or if it was um, if it was one of the intersites I've seen the news or I've seen 1908 who reported that Conte shouted at Di Bello after he you know confirmed the, the equalizer did they call <laughs> did they call you to go for a little stroll or did they ti hanno chiamato per farti una passeggiata is what they asked. He, he shouted at Di Bello, ironically. It's like, did they ask you just to take a little walk? And he said it after the game as well, so I definitely believe this, because uh, he said it's like when the VAR calls you, it's not to take you out for a little walk. It's to, um, it's to, it's to have you look at something. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really mind-boggling. And I, and I do think it's, I, I, to be honest, I think it's unfair on Roma as well, because it's, like, it's as if they, 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 they end up in a situation where they have to defend a point they won and by which based on the merits of the game they probably deserved and should have probably had two more um so so i think you know the, this the situation is just i don't know i but speaking of the game itself um what do you guys think uh of, i mean do you agree with me mo already said he doesn't he has a much rosier <laughs> view of the game than i did will you, you sound a little bit like you were also a little bit negative alex what do you think i mean what's your take on the game uh, it's very pedestrian performance, a little bit uninspired, I thought. And listen, I, I know that the squad doesn't have full complement of health, especially in the midfield. I, I thought it was 
little bit curious to have Brozovic playing behind the strikers. I think uh, Luciano Spalletti learned that lesson his first season, that that's not the best spot for him. Uh, and, you know, we, we saw some of the usual themes come up, guys, that, you know, we can get caught a little bit flat-footed on defense in some of these counterattacks. I mean, it's reached the point that any time an opponent is on the counter, and, and that really goes double for a team like Roma that has more talent than most of the teams that we face since the restart, that your heart rate really starts to go up because you you kind of expect goals to be scored at one point. And, and specifically on, on the second Roma goal, there was uh, there was an error in the back that led up to it. Uh, you know, as, as far as the way Inter played, uh, you know, looked good on set pieces. You know, you get another assist for uh, for Dynamite Alexis Sanchez, who's been really, really good since the restart. He's been Inter's best player since the restart. And, you know, Nima, you talked about the results probably being, you know, a little bit uh, a little bit against the run of play that Roma probably deserved more. Thank goodness for Spinazzola committing that really stupid, stupid penalty and and getting us right back in the match that led up to the uh, to the to the uh, Lukaku uh, penalty kick. So you know, I, I guess the good thing, the positive we can take after the fact is that even though we hoped for a little bit more than what we got, maybe we didn't expect it because it sounds like all of us predicted a draw, specifically a two-two draw. Uh, but you know, as a result of that point. You know, we know now that Inter cannot finish worse than fourth place this season. Although I'll, I'll throw something uh, back yeah. at you, Nima, because my yeah. my understanding would be <laughs> yeah. that with, with with the European football situation, we have to hope and pray that Napoli doesn't win Champions League and Roma doesn't win Europa League. Because if yes. both of those things happen, the fourth place Serie A team will not qualify for Champions League. So we cannot exactly. say we have we cannot say we have clinched Champions League. We can only say we have clinched no worse than fourth place. So not that I'm expecting, you know, I probably have a better chance of getting struck by lightning this afternoon than, you know, both <laughs> Napoli and Roma winning Champions League and Europa League respectively. But still, in light of that little factoid, uh, I, I am hoping that Inter can, you know, hold on and, and finish third place or second place because I do not even have to run into a situation because my nightmare scenario would be, uh, Champions League final, Juventus and Napoli, and having to root for Juventus to win that Champions League trophy. Oh I do not want God. to be in that spot. Oh my God! No, no, Jesus! That, that, I would still, I would still cheer against Juve in that situation. By the way, I, 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 I would well, rather Inter miss Champions League than Juventus win a Champions League. For yeah. sure, Alex. They're on the, they're on the same side of the draw. So it'll be oh, okay. I, so I hadn't looked. It'd be, it'd okay. be Napoli, Atalanta. No. That's the. My, 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 my dream is Atalanta Juve in the final Atalanta win. <laughs> That's the only way that that, that win could what? be any more delicious is if Atalanta beat Juve in the Champions League final. Um, no, but but uh, I got I wanted to talk to you guys because I mean we kind of you know about something because our good friend Carlo Garganese he was on he's been on this pod a couple of times and he always says that he's he, you know last time he was on he said that he he was he was thinking that there's something about playing three games a week that Conte can't handle. And now he sent me a message, which I have to read to you, because I think it's really interesting. I want to hear what you guys think. Um, I don't think it's acceptable that Inter's midfield keep getting dominate, dominated on like this. That's entirely on Conte. And I'm starting to, for the first time, entertain the possibility that Conte is maybe on the same path as Mourinho, meaning he plays an outdated football that's not effective or progressive enough. If this continues into next season, 
I'll say it, but right now I, I'm giving him enough of a pass. However, I am concerned that how often the opposition controls the tempo in midfield against Inter. And also, the the 3-5-2 the is looking very, very outdated. But, as I said, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And it's still the first season, and some people, some players who aren't good enough, etc. But I'm starting to have serious doubts I had about Mourinho around 2006. That's that's a really interesting point. Um, what, what do you, What's your take on that, Mo? Yeah, no, I don't know. He's smoking, really. Uh, love uh, Carlo. His uh, commentary is always very good. I really don't. I, I really don't know uh, what's up with that. Uh, the entire the entire first half of the season, Inter Inter's hallmark was midfield domination. Um, I think uh, for for reasons that uh, have been very well documented on this podcast, uh, uh, our, our post uh, post suspension uh, form especially in the midfield, is due to uh, two things, uh, the injuries, and then, uh, of course, the fact that this season is being played in July and uh, or pushing August when uh, temperatures are high and this very, very, very um, physical and intense type of football that is required by uh, Conte is, is difficult to implement consistent, consistently. And it's a, you know, it's a three-match uh, three match, um, um, three day between match uh, situation, of course, uh, less recovery time. But to call it uh, outdated or like uh, no, Mourinho, I mean, it's 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 also sorry, sorry, it's also a stretch because he's saying that Mourinho is playing outdated football, which I I, you know, I already disagree with. He yeah, already I, lost I just, that, yeah, you know. I, yeah, exactly. already. A double stretch. So yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. Is, but, the thing is, but the thing is, one, one. I mean, we, 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 so we talk about this stuff, me and him, all the time. And I think what the point he's making is that, that, that he's no longer that, that people have might have started to read the weaknesses in his system. I think that's what he's referring to. And as he said, he's not ready to fully go there, but he's really starting to entertain the idea. Uh, and he, and, 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 and I, and I gotta say, I, I would be lying if I didn't admit to have, have that thought having crossed my mind too. Um, not that it's there, but that maybe Conte has, is burning up quicker than Mourinho, because Mourinho dominated in a way that not many have. Um, and, and it's difficult for a manager to, because, I mean, let's be honest, Mourinho has not dominated anything since leaving Real Madrid, pretty much. I mean, the United was, was despite the three titles, it was, it was, it was horrible from, from start to finish. There are reasons for that. Uh, for sure, but but I mean his stock his stock is not where he once used to be. Let's be honest. Uh, even though I don't agree that his football is outdated and all that stuff, I, I think that's a little bit of a stretch as well because the man approaches the game like a scientist. He 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 questions himself all the time, and I think Conte does to a certain extent as well because look, we we got to see Antonio Conte play with a back four. I mean, did 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 we did we pick up on that? Like is is has anyone heard anything about flying pigs, aviating pigs? Has anyone heard anything <laughs> about about the end of the world? I mean, he he returned to a back four, and Victor Moses was a winger. Like that that actually happened. Um, and and I think so. So I I'm not you know too. So I mean, it, it just goes to sh- you know it goes to show that maybe. He, he's, you know, the criticism against him as he as him being too rigid tactically is just not true because he's he's changed formations a lot of the times and yesterday he really changed formations towards the end. But I, but to, but I think what he's saying is that, as I said, I think what he's referring to and he said he's not ready to say it full yet, but he's he's entertaining the idea and he started thinking. And I got to be honest, I I thought that the mind the thought has crossed my mind too. 
I, I would be lying if I didn't if I didn't admit to that. Um, where, where are you on this, Alex? A little too soon, uh, but like you said, to be fair, he's entertaining it. He's not yet saying it, so I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. I just. Uh, the, the the circumstances of the way things have played out since the restart, I think Mo hit the nail on the head. Um, I can't make any true judgment until next year. I really can't because we play this game with managers, especially inter managers and especially Conte because Conte is such an emotional guy that, you know, people turn on him anytime he says something negative to the press and he says something negative to the press anytime inter drops points. So I think it's very easy for people just to be on the seesaw of emotions with Conte. I I think, again, the, the biggest issues with the midfield since the restart have, number one, been injuries, uh, inconsistencies in that regard. I mean, where is Stefano Sensi? I mean, wh- where has he been since the end of September? I mean, the guy is just a mess. He's an absolute TikTok. mess. Yeah, TikTok. sure, that's right. Yeah, he's, <laughs> his girlfriend is sitting on his back and he's pulling all of his muscles. And, you know, Vecino is injured and he's, he's getting surgery now. And, uh, and even Barella missed a little bit of time since the restart. So I, I don't know when when you when you're missing three, sometimes four options in your midfield, and you're having to rely on the Gagliardini's and the Borja Valeros of the world to try and give you consistency. It, it's really no no wonder to me that the midfield is getting overrun. Um, now, when it comes to the three five two, I think sometimes the the back three is on a little bit too much of an island, and you know a, a guy like. Milan Skriniar was obviously much better for a back four than he was for a back three. So I think that's a whole different conversation. But as far as the conversation about the midfield, I just think it, it has way too much to do with injuries, matches every three days, playing football in July. Um, I, I really don't put the midfield problems on Conte because I've seen enough good to outweigh the bad. Nice one. Okay, uh, well, That's a fair point. Um, we'll, we'll have to bring Carlo on to have the debate. Properly, I think. Uh, Will, where, where are you on this? Do you, are, you, are you are you with Mo or like where 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 are you with where are you on this thing? Um, I, I mean, I would all, I would also uh, urge caution against too many sort of huge sweeping judgments like like the one that we're discussing based on what is a very strange and anomalous few months. Um, there was clearly a, a shambolic midfield performance last night. I, I would say. Um, the second goal in particular, I feel like I've seen already about 15, 20 times this season, um, just a sort of nice chasm of space for the opponents to waltz into um, with a with an exposed back three. But if we're looking at the macro theme, um, no, I, 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 I wouldn't uh, put it all on Conte being behind the eight ball. We know that he has his way and, you know, he, he, he trusts his own methods and, and not a lot else. So it's possible, you know, he could he could struggle to evolve if uh, if football goes in that direction. But it's not I don't think it's the, the biggest issue right now. I would say, like, like they said, you know, there have been too many injuries in midfield this season. And, you know, it, I'm not you, I think it's up to you to decide whether that's something an excuse in Conte's favour or whether that's something to criticise for. Because, mm. you know, Antonio Pintus was his choice and clearly something Great has gone wrong. In the last sort of 12 months, you know, there have been far too many injuries, even before lockdown. You know, I remember mm. the, the first game that we had against Roma in December. We were, that, we were without a midfield there as well. We had absolutely mm. no choice but to pick the three midfields that we had fit. So this has been going on for, for six months. It's been exacerbated in the last few weeks. Um, but, you know, you, you do wonder how the second half of the season would have gone had some of these injuries been been avoided. I mean, you always have one or two injuries throughout seasons. So that's fine. But to have this many is very strange. And 
I don't know. I felt like under Spalletti, we didn't have that many injuries. So obviously no, some, something no, in, the, in the physical preparation has, you know, changed. Um, so so that's, that's a question mark that Conte has to ask because it's not a coincidence when all these things uh, keep happening to him. Um, and, and as sure. you said, these players have been overworked. You know, Gagliardini has basically not left the pitch for the last month. And um, that's, that's, that's not very nice for Inter fans. That's not nice for anyone. Um, yeah, no, you know, but... I, I saw I saw the stat <laughs> right before the match, and it obviously has reigned true through the entire restart. He is the only Inter player who has started, I mean, aside from Handanovic, of course, the only outfield player who has started every game for Inter since the restart is Gagliardini. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what, nine games? Eight games? Uh, Mo? But... Funny, funny, Alex would mention Handanovic. Yeah, um, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about that because it is an issue now. It it is no yeah. longer just it is no longer just him standing rooted when when shots. Are, now this is this is an issue. What his behave his performance and form is an issue. And again against Roma by this by again luck not to concede. He does these things that you do not expect a goalkeeper of his age and experience to do. I don't know what's going on. And it's weird to see. I, I mean, look, the first goal I put on him as well. The first goal is uh, it's not it's not a clear error on Handanovic's part, but you'd expect a goalkeeper of Handanovic's stature to be able to do something about that about that ball before it even gets anywhere near the fry. There there was nothing there was nothing preventing him from reaching that ball. And then we're, to, we're, to, we're, you know, we can go on and on about the scuffed shot, uh, the scuffed oh. crosses, uh, you know. Uh, what is he the, doing? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's never been his forte getting, mm. uh, getting, coming out to, to, to catch crosses. But yesterday was particularly. Uh, uh, he's a spiller. Yeah. Sorry. He's a what? He's a spiller. He spills yeah. things. Yes, he does. But it's never been like this. Like this is this is really an issue now. Like this is no longer. You know he's rooted to the spot, and the shots go in. We have an issue. There is an issue here. He he is completely out of form, and and it's so weird because it's it's come out of the blue. I mean, it's not like he he's been on decline. It's this this level that we're seeing now. This has come out of the blue for me. I mean, the, I did not see him completely forgetting how to be a goalkeeper over over the over three months because it's it's just time and time again against Spal. Lucky not to get a penalty against us. Uh, we're brilliantly explained by Luca Marelli, by the way. Uh, against and then and then yesterday against Roma again, he does he does this inexplicable thing when he where Mancini does, where Mancini's surprised that he gets the ball and doesn't score into the open net. This is an issue and this needs to be addressed. And the fact that Inter don't seem to address it and are just putting it down to to um, to bad form and are therefore going to hang on to Radu. Uh, I don't know that that like that's I don't I I hope it's like I mean old players can have bad forms I hope it's that but but if but I mean I want to start seeing the Handanovic you saw last season that that I mean at least before this is over in in Europe or something something that calms me down because this is an issue this is a serious issue man well did you you said something no no I was listening, uh, uh, listening uh, intently uh, as always. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, Mo, Look, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking uh, about things to say, but I wasn't going to butt in. Mo, I, I, I will say that. Uh, look, um, li- like you correctly said, you know, uh, even the biggest Handanovic detractors, myself included, 
this is surprising. This is surprisingly poor form over the last three or four games has been has been quite far, far worse than we than I'd ever seen him play. So I don't know if it's a psychological thing, if if the uh, you know the errors, the, the fact that they keep piling up has put them in a difficult mind sp- headspace or something. I don't, I don't know. But uh, it's definitely far worse than I've ever imagined him uh, or imagined his errors that's, you know, spoken on, on and on about over the Absolutely. years many times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alex, do you have something you want to say with that? With that? It, it, it's, it's truly alarming. And, you know, when you talk about uh, goalkeeper errors, I'm reminded of uh, De Gea's recent exploits at, at Manchester United. And, and you wonder if, the, if a similar track is, is being, you know, headed down by Handanovic at this point, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add to what you gentlemen said, except, you know, hopefully the message is being sent loud and clear to Marota and to Suning that you need to seriously evaluate the goalkeeper position. I know there's talk about Radu being, you know, the number two next year. And, and of course you, you have to do better than Padelli, who's just horrific. And, you know, to, Tommaso <laughs> Berni. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. Padelli in the Derby. Jesus. Never yeah. again. <laughs> And then you also have uh, Tommaso Berni, who, listen, I, as, as a fellow bald man, like, I appreciate him representing the cause, but I, I, I don't know what the guy's even on the team for. I mean, maybe more red he... cards than appearances. That's I right. Mean, that's very true. Season. But the funny thing with him is that on his social media, the, that's the funny thing. On his social media, him and his wife are so into that whole hipster mindfulness thing, and they post photos of themselves you know, meditating and mindfulness and love and unity. And the guy gets sent off twice in like three weeks <laughs> for insulting people off the bench. Oh, like, it's, it's so just, great. Maybe this is, you know, he's so used to traveling to soothe his mind, but he can't go on holiday at the moment. He's getting really cooped <laughs> up. The That's true. Lockdown. That's it. It's got to be that. Gotta be yeah. that. Oh, could I oh, say something else on this yeah, game? Go, 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 go. So, the, I mean, there are two, two things that Conte said after the match that were quite interesting. Obviously, the first one was his massive rant against the fixture schedule, which is now overshadowed everything in the in the media today saying that it's unfair that it's you know into were not present enough when the fixtures were being decided saying that that was the reason that um you know this was such a poor performance and I think it has a, has some kind of bearing because it's two consecutive away matches within three days having played another game three days before that so um there was there was that but then there was also something he was talking about when he was you know he was asking about the sort of um being used to winning and there's that kind of phrase that keeps on being brought out with Juventus about how they you know they they have the mentality to keep going for more and more and and the end of that match last night it looked as if the the inter players were more concerned about protecting the draw that would guarantee them fourth than potentially going for a, for a goal that would get them uh, you know a, a temporary three point gap to Juventus I think there was one point where someone was to, was encouraging his teammates to slow down and so a minute from the end because you know they as if they'd got what they wanted and I just wonder if this is you know he's concept it's this sort of um you have to have the ambition to win and to go and try and seek something else and, and um, never give sort of being happy with what you've got. And, you know, I wonder if that's something that this, this team is, has got in its DNA now, you know, they're, they're, they're happy just to be comfortably in the champions league. You know, maybe that's why the second half of the season has been so, has been so strange and so many games have been played sort of for, for 50 minutes and not more. Um, I don't know, but it's, you, you seem to have a thought, thought on this. Yeah, I, I I just I really thought I I read the last twenty uh, last fifteen twenty minutes of the match completely differently than than what you're talking about. I saw Roma wasting time. Uh, you know, uh, Paulo Lopez got uh, a caution for time wasting. Uh, 
I can't remember who was it, the Oara, who uh, after picking a fight uh, and getting getting subbed off, walked like took the pitch, uh, walked off the pitch in like half an hour. It, it seemed like they were the ones time wasting and doing these like uh, small team tactics to try and preserve their one goal lead. And it's for me, like like you like you you had said, or maybe it was Alex who said earlier, it didn't feel like we were going to lose. So I knew that, and I thought that Inter showed so much hunger in the in the last few minutes. But what I also saw was balance, like. It, I, I, it wasn't frantic. It was measured, but we were by far the the, the better side, in 80 minutes on, you know. So uh, at, to the point where, you know, I, I, this this for me is always like um, my uh, my um, what is it? My bellwether for how I feel about the matches. How many minutes come on extra time, and how I feel about the, those minutes. Yesterday, when the the fourth official put up the four minute sign, I'm like, God damn it! What do you mean only four minutes? We need six, you know. So, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't nervous. I, I wanted more time, and I think this is a for me. I mean, I'm, I can only speak from my from my personal experience, but for me, this this is always a very good gauge of how I feel about the match, without thinking about it too hard. When when it's four minutes, and I'm like, oh good god, we have to endure another four minutes of this. Please, ref, just fucking whistle, you know. Then then you know you're thanking your lucky stars because you come out with whatever result. But yesterday, when the four minutes came on, I I was livid. I'm like. We need at least six. How, how is it possible? How, how can it only be four minutes? So, uh, so I, I personally like I I I gotta disagree with you on on this point. I think I thought that uh, after the substitutions, after Lukaku came in, uh, there was a lot of hunger and maturity in the way they handled the match. And I I don't think I don't think the the penalty it, the penalty was a, a freak accident. It, it was just a true reflection of the switch to the back four. Uh, Moses being in the position where he's it, attacking up front on the right side, uh, so I, it, it felt like it, the goal was coming. Because if Moses had had gone through and he had already gone through the ball, he would have just assisted Lukaku and it was it would have gone in. So I I I read, like I said, you know, my 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 verdict on the match and looking at the match stats now, uh, just uh, when we were talking earlier, I think I saw the match in a much uh, more positive. Uh, the, light you know, than you guys if, if we could if, if you could channel Mo's genuine positivity in, in, <laughs> in people's lives <laughs> there would yeah. be so many less antidepressants prescribed I'm starting to feel more than myself you know I'm like a, yeah. I need to start feigning uh, feigning uh, <laughs> no, negativity but the, or, no, but that's the thing though because you're genuinely like what you just explained there's thought behind it there's nothing fake about yeah. that at all and it, it, it's working on me, Nima, because it yeah, makes it's sense. Yeah, it's working on me too. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he <laughs> needs to go like you are. You are my Tony Robbins. Like I need you to go on speaking tours, right? Because like, if only Tony Robbins would talk about Inter, he never does. I need Mo. <laughs> we need Mo. We More need like Mo. your style of both, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, but uh, speaking of that, that giant rant, rant in, uh, Conte said about about the um, the the that Will brought up about the match fixture, the fixture list. Um, to me, what what I what I took out from that, I read something today. I think it was in Gazeta. I'm not sure, 
who someone who said who basically said that look this is this is Conte when when Conte comes came was at Juve when he was at Chelsea he did the same thing he doesn't feel he's just a coach or the manager he feels that he's part of the directors like he wants everyone to meet his high standards and act the way he thinks you should do and be on your toes and 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 that's why he said what he did about saying that look we it's it, when the fixture list was there. It's almost as if we 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 weren't there. Not almost, as he said, we weren't there. Even though Inter have two representatives on that board, um, but 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 then again, he does have a point because if you have two representatives there and you get a fixture list where five out of eight games you play teams who have rested one more day than you and Juventus have zero, then you're not doing your job properly. So I think I gotta agree with Conte here. Actually, I mean, you know, I, I think he has a point. This is a period where we're playing six games in 16 days, which I honestly cannot remember ever happening before. You know, there are six games in a row where there's only two days in between each game. So you've got, well, you've got the 13th, then the 16th, then the 19th, then the 22nd, then the 25th, and then the 28th. So it's a really nasty sort of um, calendar um, in, that, in this little period. It must be said, if we go, if we far, if we rewind sort of two months, Inter were probably the least enthusiastic out of all the teams in Serie A to, to restart the league for, for whatever reason. You know, we know Steven Zhang was particularly um, offended initially when Italy were gonna, was going to try and carry on with the, the league despite the pandemic that was, that was overwhelming everyone. Um, so they, were, they clearly weren't the club that was pushing for, you know, reforms. I know that Marotta, just before the league restarted, he voted against uh, several proposals to, to get the league back on its feet and presumably he, he would have done that having received an input from the men above him so that might be why Inter weren't that bothered there was definitely a sense when the league restarted that um, the club at least at uh, the club level there wasn't much enthusiasm to get this season up and running again but you know Conte doesn't care he'll he'll find anything to uh, to, to have a shout um, about I, there was well, some speaking... other things as well that, that you know Sorry. there was another thing that he said where he said you know he was obviously having a go at saying, you know, whenever, whenever anyone in the media wants to take a swipe, they take it against Inter. You know, we're in the Champions League with four games. Well, we're in the top four, sorry, four games left. We're, we're a lot of points ahead of Milan, Roma, Napoli, who had the same sort of objectives as us. What, what, are, we, what are you saying about them? And, and I have to say, I didn't like that because... No, we did, not have, we did not have the same objectives of Milan and Roma exactly. and Napoli. Right? Mo, you just talked about how Roma were time-wasting. Fine, they're fifth. They're going for to finish ahead of Napoli and Milan. That's what I expect. They were not in the in the discussion to not to win the league, but to have a go at exactly. giving events some problems. Exactly. So that's just covering your own ass. I don't think anyone exactly. believes it. He does no. have a point about the fixtures, but he kind of went a bit too far on that. Agree, agree, one hundred percent. And 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 as always, um, in it, this being Italy, we we have to refer to to. Um, <laughs> To, to these these issues have ramifications and everyone has to have their say and some people who who and there's a person named uh, Ignazio Larussa who is a very top level politician oh, he is, he's the vice president of the upper legislative chamber of the Italian parliament the senate he's the vice president of the senate he used to be minister of defense under Silvio Berlusconi's uh, in, in one of his governments, and he's also a very famous, very outspoken and openly about how, how much he loves Inter, and he was asked to comment on Antonio Conte's statements yesterday, and I have to read this because this is amazing. Those comments are inaccurate. It's true that there is a problem in Lega Calcio. In, Inter's fixture list is appalling, but there is an unwritten golden rule. In, in, uh, there's an unwritten golden rule, and that is that when Juventus are in trouble, help is immediately provided. 
And the refereeing yesterday in Roma versus Inter confirms this once again. Juve fans can't admit it because it's part of their contracts with their club. Luciano Moggi is the prototype of a Juventino. He's a cheater who's very competent. <laughs> I mean, that was... I, I'm sorry, I like this stuff. I, I think it's funny. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love when Inter and Juve go at each other, and I love how they, how these two fan bases absolutely detest each other on moral grounds, and I love when they throw that in each other's faces. I'm sorry. I, I, I eat this shit up. I do. I eat it up. I eat it up like a, I don't know what. Just um, amazing to hear him contest now saying, if everyone's always having a go at Inter, this is just so unfair that everyone's got it out for Inter. I mean, if they'd let him go on a few more minutes there... He would, have, he, he would have said, you know, he would have said, and Juventus stole all those championships. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was waiting for that. <laughs> he was, he is absolutely in this role now. I mean, for all his faults, he's, he's, you know, he's properly become the inter coach. Just if you told me a year ago that this was gonna, you'd be hearing stuff like that from him, I would. Um, I think, well, I think this is good. Strange. And, and can I, can I add something to that? Because Will, Will just touched on it there. It, it's funny because I, I've had my fair share of criticism on Conte. I, I don't think he's above reproach. I know that some people just blindly despise him. Some people blindly love him. I'm somewhere in the middle. But upon reading those comments yesterday, that was really the first time where I thought to myself. He's starting to feel like one of us. Like he's starting yeah. <laughs> to really feel like one of us after reading that, right? I mean, at, least, at least for today, he's not Tony the Juventino. Like he he he's he's Antonio Conte of Inter. Like that's what he is right now to me. <laughs> yeah, and he he may have thought of that because I, d- I don't think he's as necessarily as calculated as maybe someone like Mourinho with his comments. Yeah. But you know, he has got a lot of people on side after what was a pretty poor performance. Yeah. So maybe it was a deflection. I don't think so, because I think he just shouts a lot and says what he thinks. I, I, but, well, that, that's, you know. that's, that's the thing. I, I don't think he's got, like I said, and I think it was last week's episode, I don't think he can control his temper when Nicky Bandini was here. And I said, you know, and I, and I said that, you know, I drew the whole thing about throwing a hissy fit over Juan Iturbe and 100 euro restaurant, 100 euro restaurant and 10 euros in your pocket coming after Iturbe not yeah. being signed by Marotta. Yeah. Uh, you know that 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 to me is that that to me is 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 just because he can't control his temper. Oh, that reminds me. You know, um, throwing a hissy fit because your club didn't sign Juani Torbet. That's not <laughs> aged well. <laughs> that was what six years ago. That's, yeah. That's no. It, that, that, but that's true, and that that's exactly mm. what he did. And and I think I think that's what that's 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 part of his issue. I think that's part of his problem. He he doesn't have any self control when he gets angry no. and. And I think that's that, that's a little bit of his, his detriment. And I'm I'm kind of like with Alex on that. I mean, my 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 the reason why I didn't want Conte was was the Skriniar thing mainly because I think Skriniar is was is is Inter's next captain. And I think he, he's shown over the last two years <clears throat> that he is world class in a back four. And and uh, you know, being world class in a back four doesn't always mean that you're world class in a back three. And I think people who who I, mean, I don't get it. Why, why I mean, there's a reason you you know some people are good at some things and some people are better at others. And it doesn't mean you're bad at the game itself it just means that you you don't suit certain systems um so so for me that the my main reason was it was was that and also the lack of wide players uh wide players uh wing backs uh that the quality there wasn't good enough and clearly though those were true and but we'll see but um i will see where we go from here i mean ashraf hakimi is a fantastic signing uh 
and the, so that's being addressed. But but I mean, I don't know. I, I I do feel a little bit more like building on what Alex said. I think yes. I think after the little outbursts and the little criticism, I think Inter have gotten have started to learn and understand him, and he's starting to take on Inter. I think there was a period it needed to go to, to things for things to go bad and for a little bit of friction to be there for everyone to find themselves. And my 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 read on the my uh, the way I read the tea leaves is that there's that that's what's happened now. They're they're they found each other. They they know where where everyone stands and how they stand and in what way they stand. And, and I think that's good for Inter. I think that's that's good moving forward because they that that can only unite Inter and Inter need to be united if they're going to do anything in this league. Amen. Right, let's uh, let's uh, move on to uh, uh, to to. I mean, the the season isn't over yet, but it it will be in about a week and a half. Uh, the Serie A season. I thought we would do this little thing where we kind of give an overall rating on Inter's signings made last summer. Uh, I think uh, I, I I I think it's unfair to Ashley Young and Victor Moses to give to to do anything on them because the way that their season has been fra- fractured but the the players signed in 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 the summer and and an overall rating in who we think has been the best player and who we think has been the worst so starting I'll start with you Mo give us your rating and then say who you think have been best and who's been the worst signing yeah oh how the tiny mighty sensi has fallen i remember when we did this uh mid-season review of the transfer market uh i think sensi was the best biggest surprise if not best signing on on everyone's uh list um i I think uh having looked back i think the all in all it's been a pretty solid transfer season i think the majority of the players have played uh, of course, with Sensi being an exception, the players that have been brought in have played and uh, had a positive, uh, overall positive contribution to the side, especially compared to the, their equivalents last season. Um, I would say my um, my favorite, my highest rated uh, incomer would be a toss-up between Barella and Lukaku. Of course, Lukaku is you know fantastic, phenomenal, excellent. But I just also think Barella has been profoundly uh, uh, impactful on the midfield uh, in a sense that, you know, of course, Icardi came with his off-the-field issues. But with Icardi in, this, in, this, in, the, in the side, we, we didn't have a problem scoring goals. Um, we continue to, have, to be able to score a lot of goals because of Lukaku's input, plus more off-the-field balance and, you know, in, in, in the locker room, his presence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But... I think the impact that Barella has had on the midfield would probably edge him out for me over uh, Lukaku. I think overall, the transfer in the incomers, I'd give them a solid uh, 7, 7 out of 10. Who do you think has been the worst player or the worst signing? Not worst player. Worst uh, honestly, it has, it has to be Sensi. It has to be Sensi. Uh, from, from being, you know, having so much potential and, 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 and you know, uh, uh, so much hope being pinned on him and having played such a protagonist protagonist role in the beginning of the season to just, you know, like Alex said, where's he been since the end of October? You know, he's just, there's there's no Stefano Sensi. So I think the biggest disappointment must be Sensi uh, standing where we are at the moment. Alex? Well, I, Overall, um, it, originally I, w- I was thinking to go seven as Mo did, but I, I think I'm going to go six and a half. And, and part of that is 
Valentino Lazaro just completely not working out for whatever reason, maybe just not being solid enough defensively. And, and Conte lost patience with him pretty quickly. He was, you know, out the door on loan by January. Uh, you know, Sensi being so injured, I, I think, hurts the cause as well. Um, you know, to me, uh, Lukaku has been number one. I, I would even put Barella a, a little bit of a notch behind Lukaku. Lukaku has been more consistently available. I think he's been crucial, not only being at 21 goals at this point, uh, but I, I see the leadership and I, I, I can see the fact that he's just so important, even when he's not scoring, what he does in the holdup and the buildup is just really so important for Conte ball. So I, I go Lukaku as being the best signing with Barella, probably a close second. Um, to me, the worst, I've been to go in a little bit of a different direction than Mo, because I'm going to consider more the expectation versus reality, because Upon signing Stefano Sensi, my expectation was not through the roof. Now, the first month and a half of the season like, changed my expectation. But as far as preseason signings, yeah, I, I, not a long-term project, but I, I expected a lot more from Diego Godin. Like, I, I really thought, oh, and, and, you know, listen, part of it is is the fact that Bastoni has played so well that's made Godin a little bit more expendable for the starting eleven. But, yeah, I just really thought that Godin would have probably two years in him at Inter of being purely world-class, and that simply has not been the case. So that that's probably my my shout for the worst signing. This is crazy, Alex, because you have everything that I was going to say that right there. This is, uh, like, <laughs> wow. It's as if you hacked my phone or something. Like, this is weird. Because literally everything you just said, six and a half, Lazaro, Godin, and Lukaku, and Barella like that. I, I have nothing to add. That's 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 really that's freaky, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what. To, yeah, everything you just said. Yeah. I apologize for hacking your phone prior to the show <laughs> and reading all of your notes. No, but like it's so weird because that's the, exactly <laughs> every single thing. Like you just check, 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 check. So I have nothing more to add than what he said. Um, uh, Will. Yeah, pretty similar. Um, Lukaku is. I think has been the best signing. Um, twenty goals or twenty-seven goals in all competitions. I think he's, his performances have been consistent, even when Inter have kind of dipped in and out of matches. He's always been there, constant presence. Um, that's why Conte wanted him. That's why we thought he was going to be an upgrade from Icardi, in, at least in that sense, in terms of always being uh, some kind of presence within the match. Um, I remember watching a game a few weeks ago and the commentator was saying that he'd been speaking to some of the communications people at Inter and they'd all said they ha- how everyone was raving about Lukaku, about his how he was a great sort of presence in the dressing room, how he'd he welcomed the young players. You know, we've seen him looking out for Esposito with that penalty that he gave him back in December. Um, so I, I think Lukaku is definitely the, the best signing. Um, there was such a, an agonising negotiation process with Manchester United last summer, but it, it was it was worth it in the end. The price wasn't ridiculous, and we've got what we wanted from him. So um, I think um, very uh, very impressive. Barella was I think is just a notch below that I must say I gave these um, I gave individual ratings to every signing because I wasn't sure how we were going to do this so I've got Lukaku as an 8 out of 10 and Barella as a 7 um, which in the world of sort of Italian football ratings is very high very that's that's, that's me saying that I like them um, <laughs> and yeah Barella, in an Italian I, way <laughs> but again Barella took a, took a while to to get over the line last summer with Cagliari but it was worth it I wasn't certain that he was going to be the the Sort of all the di- the dynamic presence that Inter needed. Certainly in the first half of the season, he was he was great. Remember, I mean, he took a while to get going. I remember the first couple of months, the talk was all about how 
you know, Barella had been had been coming had come in late uh, because he'd been playing with Italy in the summer and he had extended holidays and Sensi had hit the ground running and was Barella going to lose his place to Sensi? But that that I think he found his feet pretty quickly. Sort of as Sensi got injured, um, he took over that position in midfield very comfortably. So uh, I don't have any problems with Barella. Obviously, nine yellow cards so far this season, but I think we knew that uh, when he came. <laughs> I have to say, everyone else, I have not a great mark for. Um, I don't think any of them really deserve more than a six, if that. Uh, out of ten. Sanchez well, Sanchez hasn't played. That's the problem. You know, he's well, been he great since that. the restart, but, you know, he was out for what? So long that I we, we've really missed him. It's not necessarily his fault, but if you're looking about thinking about whether it's been a success, I don't think you can say it's been a success because we could have done with him in, you know, in December and January and he wasn't there you know, because he was injured. Um, and I think thank that Lukaku you. and Lautaro would maybe... You. Thank you, Juan Cadrado. <laughs> Because he injured him, didn't he, for in in, in a in a match? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like you said, Neil, whenever Juventus need help, it somehow materializes. <laughs> so uh, I didn't say it. It was Larusside. Uh, Larusside, as you reported. I yeah, Gordini is <laughs> a shame. I find it a little bit hard to to narrate him because we don't know what he's what his presence is like again in the dressing room. I have a feeling he's a he might be a good player to keep around. If you're just va- sort of evaluating one of his performances on the pitch. Uh, there's definitely been little to suggest to, to sort of dissuade those arguments that he's not sort of um, heading towards the twilight stage of his career. Sanchez has been disappointed, I think, because he's clearly been our best player for the last few weeks and we haven't seen him. Hopefully he'll what stay for the Europa League. I've, I've not seen um, him this good in years. Jesus. Yeah. Well, this, he, is, this is the Barcelona Udinese Arsenal Sanchez. Yeah. Not, not the miserable guy rotting away on Mourinho's bench. Yeah. In United, I mean, this is uh, wow. He he scored. Uh, you know, it's all been. He took a month or so to get into fitness. Then the game against Samp, he scored on his debut, nearly scored a second, and then got sent off and missed the Juventus match. And from then on, he hasn't. He, you know, he missed what three or four months. So, yeah. a real shame. Um, yeah, since he's been a, a a real disappointment, having seen what he gave in the first half of the season. I have Lazaro as the worst signing yeah. because I mean he's not here anymore. We got rid of him in January. Yeah. So twenty-six and a half million to yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, wow. Again, and he's, again, he's now become you know a, a Jao Mario or like Caramo, one of these players that we're going to cons- consistently struggle to get offers for. You know, there's already well, Caramo. Caramo is gone. Caramo is gone. Caramo is gone. So, but you know these players that yeah, every yeah. summer we're thinking, oh, Perisic. someone please make an offer. Galatasaray, do save us. <laughs> you know, like just some random club. Um, Biragi obviously came in in the swap with Dalbert. I mean, he's I didn't have high expectations and he's lived up to those not high expectations, if that makes sense. <laughs> and of course, um, you know, there's a question mark over Exxon, even though he came in, he came in late. So overall, I think a six or a six and a half. But, you know, we have made two great signings that will be important players for him going forward. So I don't want to make this sound like I'm being too negative. That's true. Uh, right. Well, then uh, let's uh, I mean, we, we play Fiorentina and uh, uh, Genoa, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's, it's Genoa away or is it two game home games? I think it's, it's, up, home. it's Fiorentina at home, Genoa away. That's the one. So uh, no. So so now, I mean, Fiorentina have nothing to play for. They've they've uh, they've secured what they're what they salvaged, whatever could be salvaged from their season. And. I mean, they they've looked a little bit better uh, these past few these past the, the last two games, but they're not really that good. Um, don't really know what to expect there, other than, I mean, for me, as I, I Mo, it's Mo's fault because he's got me into this obsessed obsession mode about second place now. 
and and I and I totally get why we have to get into. Yes, come on, Nima. I've yeah, no, I, as well. It matters. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> matters, and it's like, and it's and it's all Mo's fault. <laughs> I, I, it's like I care about second place, Mo. <laughs> no, I care. <laughs> well, and remember, you want to avoid fourth place at all costs yeah. because yes. when when I Napoli will... wins Champions League and Roma wins Europa League, you it's don't want totally to be left yeah. out. It's, totally going to happen if Inter finish fourth like that would be like the yeah. most Inter we will ever. we will lose in Bergamo on the last game of the season Atalanta will yeah. overtake us we'll drop to fourth and then the magic yeah. will, will happen no yeah. I, I I think that obviously that's the point but it's not just about that it's about it's about being the team that was closest to Juventus yes. and not tailing off you know I I think it matters otherwise if you finish fourth again you've had three fourth places in a row you know what kind of progress is that it's not no. the progress we were hoping for certainly so for me for me going into the season Agreed 100%. I mean, for me going into this season, I wanted to see development on the previous season and anything above a fourth. Already we have more points than we ever had under under, under Spalletti, which is brilliant. Um, and then f- more than fourth is, 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 to me, then that and, and then a final or a semi-final in the Europa League is, then that this, this season will be a success given all the madness that's been. So, so, so yeah, it's Mo, I'm, 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 I'm on the second train and I'm on the Europa, Europa League winning train. So, choo choo choo. Right, no, but 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 so so, and in order to do that, we have to win these two games, um, and and I think we will because Genoa are all but safe after the le- the drama in a very very entertaining game, uh, Genoa Lecce, which I hope everyone watched. I'm sure Will did because he's into that kind. Of, you're into those kind of. Weird... I I I didn't actually watch, unfortunately. Wow. I feel I'm like just... I've let you down. Yes, you have. You have. I'm not yeah. angry. I'm disappointed. I was very, I was very excited about the match, but actually, I didn't watch him in. So this is elsewhere. But um, no, it was yeah. great. Um, I've had this, I've had this general game sort of marked on my calendar for about a month. When it was the third last game, I just thought back to that. I've just been thinking back to that game that happened with Pioli's last game, when we basically gifted them survival with a stupid one-nil mm. defeat against a team that had just the most ramshackled starting eleven I think I've ever seen in in Serie A. And I, I just thought we're going to give them survival on this match we're gonna you know we won't have anything to play but we'll give Genoa three points so I think if we're gonna drop points in these two games I, I'm more confident for the Fiorentina game than the, the general one I don't really know why but I agree I agree because Pinamonti know. and Pandev were there as well and Pandev yeah. has been great so yeah. no I'm I'm I'm, I'm saying I, I'm, I think but I still think I, I agree I, I'm, I'm more confident for Fior- Fiorentina than Genoa because it would be such an inter thing to do but having said that I do I still think that we I, I do think that Inter will win these two games uh, because um, I, I just feel that they've they've passed they've passed they've turned a corner mentally um, and and, it, and for me it was against Torino uh, that second half against Torino the way like like Mo was alluding to and I said on, on this pod that to me it doesn't it doesn't they're not bipolar anymore they look more controlled and I and I like that because that means that Conte is getting getting through to them and, and that's the most important thing. So, um, I don't know, uh, Mo, just quickly, where do you stand on those? Um, I'm hoping for six points. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably four. So, when, when, which, yeah, one same. Win? which one do we win yeah. and which one do we draw? I, I, as, as Will said, I think we're, um, we're probably... Uh, I mean, look, I hope we win both. But if we're going to draw points, it'll be against Genoa. I think the Fiorentina game uh, is... Uh, it, th- those three days rest... And not having to go on a trip away is just going to feel like such a breather for the guys. They're going to be so much more high energy. And uh, I think uh, the Fiorentina game is going to be nice and easy, hopefully. But the Genoa game is going to be tough. I still think we might win, but uh, I'll uh, hedge my 
my predictions and say a draw there. Alex? I have a good record at home to Fiorentina. Four straight wins at home. So, yeah. Alex? You know, I, I never thought I would hit a prediction segment being more positive than Mo, but Nima, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm... Yeah. I'm weirdly, oddly expecting six points, and I, I have another another feeling, and, and I'll go on record in saying this, hoping you'll remember if I'm right and you'll forget it if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I, I'm, start, I'm starting to think that Lautaro Martinez is really due for a breakout. Like, we've seen a, a couple little signs here and there, you know, he... He scored uh, against Spal, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking maybe something crazy, assuming he's uh, he gets a good amount of playing time over these next two. I'm thinking maybe three goals in two matches for him. Just something something in the air. I feel like Lautaro is due for a big bounce back after all this negativity surrounding you know the way he's played and all the reports and rumors about Barca that have only intensified since the restart. I, I am, I'm strangely feeling optimistic about these next two matches. But, dude, you mentioned Lautaro, and you reminded me of that ridiculous uh, first touch on the goal that was disallowed for an offside. That was... Uh, yes, some, oh, that's right. You know, I ooh, forgot about that until you brought... I mean, but, what if... And I knew he was offside, but a part of me was like, I, yeah, I just yeah, hope yeah. they screw up and allow this just so that goal can stand, because hopefully that, if nothing else, even though the goal didn't count and shouldn't have counted, I hope that does something for his confidence, because that was beautiful. Amazing first touch. Amazing. It was gorgeous. It really was gorgeous. I mean, he's a class player. Let's let's not let's not even uh, have any doubts on that. Right. Um, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and uh, criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with the positivity this week's uh, Morati, which is presented by Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot. He's intelligent and. He surprised uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this qualities. Uh, yeah, so guys, uh, my Moratti of the Week is something that seems to have been uh, fairly well covered um, in this episode already. But uh, I love me a good rant. I love me a good siege uh, mentality rant and us versus them. And for lots of reasons that you guys spoke about, uh, Conte's uh, understanding the club and, and, and the club understanding Conte, I think uh, the messaging, uh, the passion—not uh, uh, the passion. He wasn't. It wasn't very passionate. It was more bitter and angry. But uh, I, I just, I, I loved, I loved everything that came out of the, the interview uh, yesterday um, after the game. Um, and to Nima's point earlier as well, it's really ridiculous how even, you know, even then the media somehow try and find a way to spin it. Uh, in a way where there's a crisis at Inter. You know, is Conte blaming Marotta and Zhang for not uh, uh, putting their foot down when the schedule, when the calendar was made? You know, like, it's, it's, it's nuts. But anyway, uh, I digress. I think uh, the, the post-match interview and uh, the, 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 this real us versus uh, the entire league uh, uh, sentiment that came out of it is uh, my Marotta of the week. Let's move on to something much more uh, comical this week's uh, Frog, which we presented by Mr. Will Beckman. E clamoroso, autogol di Ranocchia! Yes, this week's Frog uh, is an unnamed 23 year old man uh, who lives in the north of Spain. Um, this is a. <laughs> Why are, you, why are you laughing already? Because the way you said tell it is absolutely brilliant. 
Yeah, Alex is laughing too. By the way, no, this is going somewhere hilarious. Yeah, exactly. By the way, my Marathi of the week is Alex's two-year-old son, who Inter yeah. had a little chat with on yeah. on Twitter. Oh, was, thank you. Absolutely adorable, and I hope he didn't hate that match um, and isn't put off for life. But um, he, he was a little <laughs> bored, but he's bored by a lot of things, so that that's not necessarily an indictment on the football. Okay. Shout out, shout out to Inter for doing what they did. That was a really nice. Yeah. Gesture. So this 23-year-old Spanish man, it's in the in a Pamplona where the, the the running of the bulls. Not that's actually relevant at all. Uh, he was been fined by local police. I think he's been fined three thousand euros for putting public health at risk. Uh, he could also face criminal charges for contravening public health laws, according to police. So I'm sure you're wondering what did he do? Well, he organised a football match to raise funds for for the coronavirus effort in Spain. But there's something rather peculiar and contradictory about this match. The match was due to be between positive and negative people. So people who've tested positive for coronavirus (laughs) against people who've tested negative. You have got to be kidding me. (laughs) So although it remains unclear, according to the, the Telegraph, why the man had arranged the game, it appears, according to a police source, he intended to dare people to risk their health. I mean, oh you could, my. it's a really special achievement. You know, I'm going to raise money for a disease. And in the meantime, I'm going to <laughs> spread it. That is So he. I mean, we don't have his name, but. You know, I hope that that is that can be left in the realm of the frog and not in the realm of the uh, uh, the moji, because I think he actually he did actually organize a, some kind of gathering the week before uh, for which 40 people were fined for. for, for uh, hang on, this is, he, he did. He was I think he was um, uh, he was supposedly organizing something else. So I hope he hasn't uh, created a second wave. But congratulations for a really, truly boneheaded idea. That is dumb. That is really dumb. Right, let's uh, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's Moji, which you presented by Mr. Alex Donald. This week's Moji has also been covered a bit on this episode, but it's referees and VAR. I, I, I continue to be so baffled disheartened and discouraged by the fact that even though this technology exists and and they've been using it in Serie A since the 2017-2018 campaign, this technology is now being utilized by referees to decrease human error and decrease the number of errors the officials are making. And yet somehow this technology has only accentuated the human error, not decreased the human error. Unbelievable. It is so so appalling that you've had a number of cases, and I'll highlight the ones that have especially hurt Inter, given the theme of this pod. I mean, from from DiBello over the weekend to Abiso a season ago to Orsato two seasons ago, how these referees can have that technology at their disposal and they can clearly see a foul being committed or someone who you know they claim is offsides but wasn't or vice versa upon video review and still either be too dumb or too stubborn 
to actually change the call accordingly is baffling to me because I, I've seen in, in certain other sports, you know, the the technology of replay and video review can really uh, can really decrease the number of mistakes made. I think that it's used very well in the NBA. Overwhelmingly, it's it's used well in the NFL with some you know notable notable circumstances where it's not used correctly. But the fact that in, in football, especially in Serie A, that the technology is not helping. It's actually making the officials look worse when they refuse to change their calls accordingly to me. It's like, if we can't figure this out, then maybe it's time to throw it out. That's just my two cents. Agreed. Agreed. Enough is enough. I mean, I think John Solano, uh, my colleague on the Serie A show, he says it brilliantly. When a, when a guy, when, when, when a beer-guzzling, you know, six-pack drinking guy sitting on his couch can see the call on his TV and see that you see what's and, and pick up what the call should be and you can't do it when you've got all the technology there um, something is wrong here and and that, that that's uh, it's, it's it's mind-boggling really mind-boggling right that's all we had time for this week I'd like to thank you Mo <laughs> thank you it's an absolutely cool episode great to be with you guys great hanging out thank you uh, and Mr. Alex Dono, good, good luck and uh, congrats on the new job and good luck uh, with the Inter Miami CF. Although, I, I, from what I've understood, Inter aren't too happy about that name. <laughs> They're not. And also, it's maybe it's just my luck that Inter Miami CF have been as frustrating as Internazionale Milano so far in their young tenure. They're still they're still searching for their first victory. So no matter which Inter I support, I am doomed <laughs> for frustration. <laughs> Brilliant. And as always, Mr. Billiam Beckman, thank you. Thank you. Have a good week, everyone. And hit us up on Twitter if you want to know what these results will be, because we know the scores of these intergames before <laughs> they even happen, clearly. Before they happen, clearly, yeah. yeah. Right, uh, that's all we have time for this week. I'm your host, Nimata Lerutzeri, wishing you all a good week. Six points and sempre e solo Forza Inter. Forza Inter,